Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. Autism changes in the brain. Recent research has revealed that people with autism have more extensive brain changes than previously thought. Previously, brain scientists believed that autism affected just specific areas of the brain, but they have now realized that in fact the whole cerebral cortex is altered. Many neurological disorders have well-defined pathologies, but autism doesn't, so it's already been difficult to develop more effective treatments. While this news is a step forward in discovery, it also conveys the vast challenges of developing a cure. Performing such a comprehensive analysis of the autistic brain required more than a decade's worth of work and a multitude of different specialists. Part of the reason was that autism varies from person to person, so deciding on the core tenets was no easy task. The researchers ended up collecting brain tissue samples of 112 people after they died and looked at 11 outer regions of each brain. They sequenced each brain's RNA, a molecule essential for many biological functions. Their findings were then compared to the genetics and samples of healthy brain tissue. The findings showed that those with autism had brain changes in both high-level processing areas, such as those responsible for reasoning, language, social behavior, and mental flexibility, as well as in sensory processing areas. Autism, they found, is likely to be caused by RNA changes in the brain, as the structural changes were strongly tied to genetic evidence for the disorder. There are also changes in every profiled region, but the biggest differences were in the visual cortex and in the parietal cortex. Both process touch, pain, and temperature. This may reflect people with autism's quote-unquote, sensory hypersensitivity. So scientists are beginning to get a picture of the state of the brain at the molecular level of the brain in individuals diagnosed with autism. The findings will help them understand the disorder's mechanisms, which will help to develop disease-altering treatments. As a next step, researchers want to see if they can develop therapies based on reversing the gene expression changes they found in people with autism. While this research shows us just how vast an impact these genetic differences can make, the knowledge that they are RNA-linked also provides for a potential solution. I mean, I just find this very, very interesting, Graham. I mean, anytime yeah. we can advance the science when it comes to the brain is, right. is good, right? I think it's good for all of health and medicine, especially mental health and those who are dealing with autism, right? Totally. And, and I think like, even though it sounds like it's opened up, you know, kind of more challenges in developing cures, yeah. um, I, I think probably always the first step, right, to getting to a solution is actually knowing the extent exactly. of the challenge that you're facing. So exactly. if, if we're trying to develop solutions, only knowing a piece of the, the overall problem 
um, those were probably doomed to fail from the beginning. So, so at least now we have this full understanding and we can start to move forward with different uh, options to develop cures and solutions to help people living with autism live like the best lives they can. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm excited to, to follow this story and see what happens down the line. Toxic weed killers sprayed on U.S. crops. Glyphosate is the active ingredient in many herbicides. This chemical has been used in the U.S. for nearly 50 years, since first being discovered by Monsanto chemist John France in 1970. You might recognize glyphosate as the main ingredient in the garden store herbicide Roundup, but it's also used on an industrial scale in much of the U.S., as well as 140 other countries in the world. Since the 1980s, when it was first widely used in the United States, there has been more than a 50% increase in its use in this country alone. This increase is partly attributed to its success as an herbicide, but recently per acre application levels have also grown after the emergence of weeds which have evolved to withstand it. It's become so important to agricultural production that a lead scientist at the United States Department of Agriculture stated that glyphosate is a one in a hundred year discovery that is as important for reliable global food production as penicillin is for battling disease. Wow, that's quite a statement. Quite a statement. Wow. Unlike penicillin, however, glyphosate has been shown in several studies to be potentially cancer-causing, as well as to act as an endocrine disruptor. Independent studies have shown a variety of negative health outcomes after exposure to glyphosate, including endocrine effects that result in a, quote, reduction in circulating levels of testosterone, along with delayed puberty onset in male rats and quail exposed to glyphosate-based herbicides. Wow. Regardless, glyphosate is still sprayed on nearly half of all planted acres of corn, cotton, and soybeans in the U.S., as well as on wheat, oats, beans, and some fruits. Wow, we can't escape this stuff. Yeah, truly. Wow. Health organizations around the world have come to varying conclusions regarding the safety of glyphosates. For instance, in 2020, the Environmental Protection Agency maintained that glyphosate has no risk for human health and that there's no evidence that the chemical causes cancer. However, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, an intergovernmental agency which is part of the World Health Organization, recently published a summary of their research on glyphosate, classifying it as probably carcinogenic in humans. California classified it similarly, requiring health warning labels on glyphosate. However, after the EPA ruled it as safe, they were forced to stop requiring product labeling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they were trying to let people know that it was not good and not healthy for us, but the EPA forced them not to. Yeah. Wow. Right. 
I mean, there's so little regard for human life. Okay. Wow. Okay. Let me get through the story before we, before we go there. Wow. (laughs) With nearly 2000 pounds of glyphosate being sprayed per square mile in some heavily farmed areas of the country and residues being detected in air and rain samples, as well as hair and blood tissues. It's difficult for individuals to ensure that they are remaining under even the EPA's more lax suggested limits. Environmental and organic advocates point out that glyphosate is now found in 80%, oh my gosh, of urine samples in the U.S., and their increased levels show no signs of slowing. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at hopepickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. Right.